a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the program. I'm Lee Lonsberry. This is Live Mike, episode 20 here on KSL News Radio. Thank you for tuning in today. In that first segment, we heard some interesting news. Uh, Utah Congressman Rob Bishop rumored for a long time to be uh, considering a run for governor. We learned certainly last summer that he was not going to seek re-election to represent Utah's first district in Congress. Uh, and then the question was, would he run uh, to serve as governor of this great state. The disclosure I've had to make a, a number of times, and I'll repeat now, is that I used to work for Rob Bishop uh, for five years, almost five years out in Washington, D.C. I was the director of communications, and I also advised on a few areas. Uh, and advise, I'm going to talk more about the nature of that job because it's fascinating, but it's essentially uh, a congressional aide becoming a quote-unquote expert on an issue, and it is to from that staffer that the member of Congress seeks advice on casting certain votes. Anyway, that's an aside. Uh, I'll talk more about that later. Congressman Bishop was in with us here today to announce uh, that he, in fact, is not running for governor. He spoke uh, very kindly about Thomas Wright, who is running for governor through his support behind uh, Thomas Wright, who uh, on the morning of his announcement did join us here on this program, and we spoke at length uh, on uh, w- with his intentions to run. We're going to continue to, as this governor's race shapes up, we're going to continue to have uh, contact with all of the, the candidates. In fact, there's a an issue we're going to talk about later on today. Something came up over the weekend at the Eagle Forum. They had their convention, their 2020 convention over in Sandy. And Lieutenant Governor Spencer Cox, who is running for governor, he, um, he made a, a comparison. He said that he predicted that far off into the future, we will look back on uh, our practice of abortion or at least the laws here in the United States allowing for abortion with the same measure of uh, disdain and horror as we look back now on the practice of slavery here in this uh, nation. I paraphrased him uh, there, but we will later on in the program today hear exactly what it was that he said in the Eagle Forum. And why do I bring that up in the terms of governor's race? The Eagle Forum was hosting an event where multiple candidates for governor were speaking. It was a political event. And I've reached out, uh, well, producer Amy, rather, I should give credit where it's due, has reached out to, oh, she gives me the thumbs up, great. Uh, so we, she has reached out to all of the candidates running for governor simply to respond uh, to what the lieutenant governor had to say. Why has it risen to this level? Well, because there were some Democrats in the Utah legislature, specifically uh, minority members of the Utah state legislature, who uh, took issue and were upset with what uh, Lieutenant uh, Governor Cox had to say in that forum. Anyway, this is all a preview. We're going to get into the details of what exactly happened, what was said, and what the responses have been. Uh, Also, uh, Spencer Cox spoke with Dave and Debbie this morning on their program, and he explained more of his comments. Uh, We have uh, just a few minutes here left in the segment, and with that time, 
I do want to give you an update on what's happening in Iran. The government of Iran initially had denied reports that it was uh, missiles fired by the Iranian regime that took down that aircraft. As you know, uh, the aircraft was shot down, came down just hours after an attack of missiles launched from Iran into Iraq, onto two Iraqi air bases, which occasionally house U.S. forces. That plane crash, that that Ukrainian passenger jet, uh, on board, there were 176 people. They all died. Officials in Iran denied for days that uh, Iran's military was not behind that operation, that it was not uh, uh, Iranian military missiles that were fired. And, well, over the weekend we learned that uh, maybe that wasn't true. The government there in Iran is admitting that, yes, uh, it was an inadvertent, they're saying inadvertent, uh, unintentional firing of that missile. Uh, But the folks there in Iran are not happy. And there are protesters gathering in the in the street, uh, denouncing the actions of their governor, or I'm sorry, of their government. Um, on uh, over the weekend, you know, Twitter. You're aware of Twitter and the president and his proclivities. Well, he <clears throat> sent a message to the leaders of Iran, and it is: Do not kill your protesters. Thousands have already been killed or imprisoned by you, and the world is watching. More importantly, the USA is watching. Turn your internet back on and let reporters roam free. Stop killing, stop the killing of your great Iranian people. We, last week when the president spoke just after the missiles were fired and this uh, aircraft crashed, the president spoke not long after that. And in the close of his remarks, he said that he looks forward to a future a peaceful future for Iran and that the people there are peaceful and that he has great optimism and looks forward to uh, peace in this region. I spoke that very same day to Congressman Chris Stewart and we talked about a a bifurcation, if you will, uh, between the folks that are running the government there in Iran and the folks in Iran who are living under the government. The message is being delivered by the government. And a lot of the media reports that are being distributed to the folks that live in Iran, the civilians, uh, are being clouded and distorted uh, and outright lies are being broadcast. And so it's difficult for the folks there in Iran to understand exactly what's happening. Well, they have a greater understanding now. They know that their nation fired missiles which took down a civilian aircraft and they're not happy about it. And they've taken to the streets. Uh, we have seen video clips of uh, these protesters out there. They are outraged. There's a, uh, a reporter with ABC News, Stephanie Ramos, who uh, sent over a quick report on what's exactly happening there. Let me play that for you, uh, and then we'll cover a few more details. The government says they mistook the plane for a missile just hours after they attacked U.S.-backed bases as revenge for the killing of Iran's top general, Qassam Soleimani. <laughs> In the days after Soleimani was killed, Iranians were united with outrage against the U.S. Now, these protesters seen taking down posters of the slain military leader. You see what happened there? 
Oftentimes we think about protests and protestors as uh, having a sort of hive mind uh, where they just get worked up into a frenzy and that there is no consideration for uh, the the details or the specifics or the rationale for these protests. Uh, sometimes, and I'm guilty of this, uh, I will look at protesters and think, okay, there's a, a bunch of young kids who had nothing to do on the weekend, so they went out and took to the streets, maybe thought they'd find an opportunity to do some looting uh, and just to, to raise some heck. Well, it turns out, and that may be the case, in some instances, I'd assert that it probably is. Uh, But here we're learning that in Iran, when the story changed, when the information that was delivered to these folks who had taken to the street changed, so too did the direction of their outrage. They have now changed course and they now have a better understanding of what happened. They know now that their government, the government of Iran, fired on innocent civilians and killed 176 of them. A good number of those being uh, Canadians, our neighbors to the north. Uh, It's an unfortunate and terrible thing, and if anything deserves protest, it is that. And I hope that today and over the next few days, as these Iranian protesters are out there in the street telling their government that this type of behavior and these actions and this killing uh, is unacceptable, I hope that they are protected. I hope that they are safe, and I hope that the uh, law enforcement officials and the military folks uh, who are there working for the government of Iran uh, do not do uh, what, what may be their orders. We have learned of some instances where there have been deaths, there have been bullets fired, there has been tear gas thrown. I hope that uh, these protesters are able to voice uh, their view and their position in peace. Uh, Listen, lots of exciting stuff on the program today. In the next segment, we're going to be talking about those comments made at the Eagle Forum on Saturday and about some pretty strong reactions by Democrats to them. That's next up here on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.